Inter Miami lives to fight another day, but a massive match that could be decisive for the team season is on the cards for Wednesday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am Franco Penizo, one-third of your hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on all things Inter Miami, providing you with the latest and freshest news, analysis, opinions, updates, insight, and more. And joining me today are the other two members of this star-studded panel, Steven Primo Brenner and Jose PS5 Armando. We'll start with Steve. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a decent run, good couple of games, lots of goals. Uh, I wouldn't say the quality of the opposition is uh, was top notch, but uh, good to see. Yeah, a few goals. Especially enjoyed. I thought Saturday was good just because there was a bit more on the line, one all, and then Iguain sort of turned it on for a bit, which was great. Um, so yeah, the season's still alive. It could be worse. It could be Houston. It could be Dallas. It could be Austin. It could be Cincinnati, Toronto, Chicago. So it's still alive probably gonna die soon but we're still alive <laughs> why do you keep saying we why do you keep saying we i didn't know you signed with inter miami i didn't say we you've said we twice in that in that whole thing i i'm just talking about the, the, the miami family just, you know <laughs> we speak we speak for the miami family do we not? <laughs> okay jose how are you today brother i'm doing all right i'm doing all right um i'm happy um i can't wait for you to explain uh about that two two <laughs> result that you predicted let's not talk about my four zero but about your two two that's what i'm interested um but no yeah in all seriousness um yeah just you know uh, hoping that um what we saw in terms of formation and the 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 mindset from the team um, is enough that it can be carried over to to the game against atlanta which you know it's going to be hard but but yeah, I think positive vibes, and and we'll see how long they last. I I, I don't think we're gonna have the same vibes in forty eight hours, I guess. Okay, so it sounds like both of you are still a little pessimistic after these last two games, especially this last one, which Inter Miami won by by a pretty good margin, a pretty healthy margin, the the biggest actually in franchise history. Seems like you guys are still not fully believing that Inter Miami will will turn this thing around or will get that miracle that it needs to make the playoffs. But we can touch on that. Here on this podcast, we will obviously touch on this most recent game, the 5-1 to victory over FC Cincinnati at home at Drive Pink Stadium, and we'll preview Wednesday's game against Atlanta United. It's another quick turnaround. It's a very important week for Inter Miami, starting with Wednesday's matchup against Atlanta. And Jose, before we get out of the intro, I have to acknowledge that your prediction... While not 100% right. accurate, was closer than mine, and you rubbed oh, it. Oh, come you on, come you on. You, you cannot start that way. Come on, come <laughs> you, on, man. Come you, on, hey, start you, over. Start no, over. no, no. You rubbed it in my face um, in the press box on, on on Saturday night, and, you know, it's fine. It's all in good It's all in good nature and, and banter, um, and now you have your opportunity to do so publicly, which, you know, you were, you were right in the sense that it would be a blowout win for Inter-Miami. I thought the draw, but... Obviously, the second half, the game completely changed in Inter Miami's favor, and they they posted a very exciting and very fun victory in which you know the fans really got a treat and really got to enjoy the game and the performance put forth with the Oles at the end, which I thought was spectacular once again. You know, if Inter Miami 
had been better over the course of the season or when they do end up being one of the better teams in, in the Eastern Conference and they can win games more convincingly on a more consistent fashion and we hear that, I think it's going to make for a heck of an atmosphere and just a, a great vibe, an even better vibe at the stadium because I don't think any other team in MLS, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe any other team in MLS, their fans do the Ole chance. So awesome, awesome to hear and see. But a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. So guys, let's get to it. Okay, Steve. Okay, Jose. Inter-Miami is coming off the biggest win in franchise history. They accomplished that feat last Wednesday against Toronto FC with a 3-0 victory. And then it only took three days for Inter-Miami to outdo itself with a 5-1 triumph over FC Cincinnati at Drive Pink Stadium. It was a tale of two halves in the game, but we'll get to that. This was the lineup that Inter-Miami went with in the match. Nick Marsman in goal, your back four. Yes, Nick Phil Neville stuck with the back four. Kelvin Leardam. I'm in Mabika, who was called up on extreme hardship, as was first reported here on Miami Total Football. Christian McCoon and Brecce. Your first midfield line was comprised of Gregory and Blaise Matuidi. Your second midfield line from right to left was Luis Morgan, Federico Higuain, and Rodolfo Pizarro. And up top, you had Gonzalo Higuain in his number nine spot. Now, what was the biggest takeaway for you guys? Because this game obviously ends in a blowout, a very exciting game or an exciting finish to the game with lots of goals raining down. But in the first half, things were pretty tight. The second half is when Inter Miami blew it wide open. The halftime score was 1-1. Second half, Inter Miami scores four goals. So, you know, what was your biggest takeaway? We'll start with you, Jose. What was the biggest takeaway you had from Saturday night's affair? Well, I think to me, you know, the one thing that I that I really enjoyed is that um, to me they were in control. Um, you just mentioned that you thought first half things were not looking very good, but I thought they were really in control. They had a couple of chances that they should have they should have scored on, and um, if they did, we're probably talking you know six goals at least in the game. So I think they created enough chances early on in the game. Um, also, I think you know. Um, defensively, um, you, you can tell Mavika is not exactly the the most experienced center back, and he had a lot of trouble with the one b ones. But other than that, I think you know the, the collective effort was good. They were pretty much in control. Um, the one thing that it's important, I should say, is that you know when you play a team like Cincinnati, which they're not playing for much, and and they they don't have the energy. They didn't have the energy on uh, uh, over the weekend. Um, you know, you have to take on the opportunity, right? You, you still have to score goals. You, you still have to play at least an average or a good game um, to, to get the three points. So um, I think Inter-Miami, they were able to do all the little things. And I think, you know, the the, the end result was, was what they deserved. So um, I, I was happy to see the team um, just taking the opportunity that, that Cincinnati presented. It, it was not a tough match for them or, or a tough matchup. But, you know, they had the opportunity and they gave they gave up a good, good performance in front of the home crowd, which is something that, you know, fans deserved over the over the entire regular season. They, they have seen really poor performances at home. Well, this time around, it's different. And, and that's my takeaway. So I would disagree with you that that the first half was Inter Miami was in control. I think Inter Miami was slightly 
better maybe during the first 20, 25 minutes. No, it was better, sorry, during the first 20, 25 minutes. But after FC Cincinnati scored the equalizer, it was FC Cincinnati that was creating quite a bit of opportunities, and, and Nick Marsman had to come up with some saves. Here's a here's the stat at halftime. Inter-Miami had nine shots, one on target, which was the goal. FC Cincinnati had seven shots, and five were on target. So I, I think over the balance of play in 45 those first 45 minutes i think it was pretty even maybe you could get, give the edge to inter miami slightly but i don't think fc cincinnati was a walk in the park in that in that first half maybe they started slow but once they got the goal once inter miami started missing uh opportunities because that they weren't putting the shot on frame and they just weren't able to to put together that last bit of quality in the final third that allowed fc cincinnati to get back into the game and to to raise its confidence obviously that changes in the second half when Gonzalo Higuain scores scores the the go ahead goal that proves to be the winner, because from there Cincinnati just came apart and came undone. Steve, what was your biggest takeaway from the game? Was it something over the course of ninety minutes? Was it something that was said afterwards? What what did you take away from Saturday night's? Uh, yeah, I mean, game? yeah, I mean, I think Phil Neville's definitely been listening to his podcast because he keeps saying about how he needs his big players to turn up, which is something we've been saying. It's not rocket science, <laughs> but what I did like, I think afterwards is is you talk about Mabika and, and Makun and, and, you know, he talked about, I think maybe this was yesterday he said this, about how he, he you know, there was a good young central defensive partnership there. And I think that's where the ethos of the club and the team, that's where they see this team going. want young guys. Mabika's only 23. Uh, Makun is, is around near, a bit younger than that, isn't he? Um, I just, I, I like those two together. I know they're inexperienced. I like Mabika because he's big, he's tall, but he's good on the floor. He's, he's good. He's a good technician. I think he's a good passer of the ball. Makun is, is aggressive. Uh, so I just felt that that was kind of, that's the way they want to go. They want to have this good, solid young core. And of course, but you do need the guy that's paying, you're paying nearly $6 million a year to do something. And he did. Um, Gonzalo Higuain, he scored... You know, he scored the, the crucial goal in the in the second half. He set up he set up two as well, and um, you know that's just what you you need in those games. Just when it was tight, and we were thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, they're going to be struggling, and all of a sudden he, you know, he pulled pulled it out, and um, you know, he helped the team, he sort of dragged the team, you know, over the line, which was good to see. He, he was very lavish in his praise of Rodolfo Pizarro, uh, he, who set up the first Phil, goal. Phil Neville didn't was. see him. Phil never was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're watching a game, sometimes you don't no necessarily notice <laughs> every performance. I, I didn't see him do a hell of a lot after that, but I'm sure it was very workmanlike. Mm. Just he just did the job that he wanted. You know, it wasn't spectacular, but he just was solid, working for the team. And yeah, so that was a that was a plus point as well. I mean, Phil Neville said afterwards that Pizarro looked at him when he was going to make a substitution, and he gave him like a puppy dog eyes, like he didn't want to come off. So he, he you know, he let him on. So. You know, moving forward, confidence-wise for these last three games, you know, hopefully you can, you know, can help them get a get a result on Wednesday night in Atlanta, which is not going to be easy. Uh, and yeah, they've got NYCFC obviously going for the playoffs, and then New England who are beating everyone. But I just, I think there's enough crumbs of comfort there uh, to move forward. Certainly for the next three games. Look, we know there's going to be wholesale changes in the summer. Uh, they do need to make those changes for sure. Um, but yeah, this just showed that they've, you know, they have got a a team there. They're not, you know, they they are making some sort of progress. It's just They've just been hamstrung by those two. You can't go in, can't have those two winless streaks in the middle of the season. Expect to be sitting in in the playoffs. It's just you know that that's what that's what will ultimately kill them this season. I think. So I believe your Rodolfo Pizarro hatred glasses yeah, no, no no bind no no boundaries because he 
Yeah, no, Rodolfo Pizarro was one of the two best players on the field, and I was I was surprised that you that you uh, you you questioned his performance to me after the I fact. I didn't question performance. I didn't question performance. I just I hadn't you know you know normally especially like when you would do ratings normally like when I worked in England you'd have to rate in, in all eleven players and write a little sentence about each one. Right. To be honest, I probably only were watching like two or three players. I don't know what the left back was doing the whole game. Because it wasn't anything absolutely sensational, and you can't tell me that Rodolfo Bizarro, every time he got the ball, lit up the stadium. It was just a good, solid performance, and he got a light, nice assist. He was working for the team. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like watching Mo Salah against uh, against Man United or Maradona, was it? I mean, it's Steve just, is in defense mode. Job. Steve is in defense no, mode he just right did his now. Job. Listen, fair listen, listen. I thought he, I thought he was one of the two best players on the field. Uh, he played the, great. The, 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 the broadcasters on CBS they thought he was they thought he was the best player on the initial viewing. Phil Neville obviously raved about him after the game, so I was surprised that you 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 questioned how good his performance was, and that's fine. You know, we all see the game differently. It's fine, but I was just I surprised. Think it was a I was solid. Surprised. I think it was a good solid performance from him. I don't think it was necessarily eye catching, but it, it was a good solid performance. He, he, had, he, two, he had two assists. Goal. He had two assists, and he drove the ball forward and pulled off a lot of his moves in the midfield that actually came off this time. Whereas in in the past, where he's tried to do some of these things, they don't come off for him. And this this game, they came off for him, and he was constantly progressing the ball forward into the attacking half into the attacking third and I thought he was he was very very good this might have been okay one of his best two games of the season or probably is one of the best two games of the season maybe even his best just because he doesn't score and it's not no, super not, eye-catching I'm not, I'm, not doubting that. I'm not doubting that in mitigation one thing I will say is that because I was writing my match report about Gonzalo Higuain maybe I was too laser focused on watching Higuain <laughs> and Pizarro just kind of slipped under the radar but look, he played well good for him I'm pleased for him. Um, and yeah, he would have seen what Phil Neville said. All good stuff. And uh, hopefully he can do the same on Wednesday night. So, Jose, we will touch on Pizarro's performance in, in a, a little bit more detail in a bit. But let's start with what I think is the biggest takeaway. I also do want to touch on and talk about the center back pairing, which you just did a little bit there, Steve, because you know I think that could be a glimpse into the future, like you mentioned. But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later here in this segment. Let's start with Gonzalo Higuain because for me, he was so dominant in that second half and his performance levels and, and how he improved from a very mediocre first half is what made the difference for this team because not only does he score the game-winning goal with a very clinical header off of a cross from Federico Higuain, but after that, after Federico Higuain is subbed off the field, Gonzalo Higuain started dropping into deeper positions and then started slinging through balls that were perfectly weighted and he helps set up two goals during that second half he helped set up a third it was called back for an earlier offside call but I thought he had a master class of a performance in the second half night and day difference from the first half in which he he looked a little bit anxious a little bit eager trying to force things from from my vantage point you know and I I said that to Phil Neville when I was asking him the post-game question and Phil Neville nodded his head and said yeah and that when he spoke to Gonzalo before the team came back out for the second half, he told him to just just to uh, to be calm, to be, to be calm that the plays would come to him, just just to stay uh, level headed and not get frustrated as as he did in that first half. So Gonzalo Higuain for me was the biggest takeaway just because of the performance he put forth. It's the type of performance you expect to see from your designated player over the course of a season. You know he has scored goals this year. He has had good games. But 
maybe not consistently enough, but this one was absolutely among his best of the year. Jose, what did you uh, think of Gonzalo Higuain on Saturday? Yeah, I think it was it was a great performance. Although, let's be honest, guys, after the third goal, you know, the game was basically over. Right. Anything that happened after that, you know, we can. I mean, we can talk about it, but, you know, I don't know if we can put a lot of value into it. Um, even with Juli uh, Carranza scoring, I think that's good for him in terms of confidence. But I don't know if in, in terms of a performance uh, as a whole, we can put a lot of value into that. But, yeah, I, I think Pepita had a, had a good game. Um, and, and, again, I think it, it comes down to playing with his brother, some somebody that he actually you know that he trusts with the ball um and 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 you just mentioned it you know as soon as uh, uh fede came off you know he started to dro- drop back a little bit and you know it's an instinct maybe he wants to help out the team he, he wants to do it that way um I, I don't know i don't know if it's if fede is not on the field i don't know if this formation will work because um i, I i'm thinking you know, um, it's going to be hard to convince Pipita that he can actually stay around the box or inside the box, and that way he can be more effective and that he will actually trust some of his other teammates to, to bring to the table what Fede does. So um, I think he had a good performance overall, but, you know, just like with Pizarro, um, I think that's what we have to expect from, from these guys in, in the rest of the, of the regular season, whether they make it to the playoffs or not. I think they own that to the team, to the fans. They need to put out good performances, um, and especially, of course, tomorrow night when they when they have to win. Steve, what did you think of Gonzalo Higuain's performances when you said you were focused on him during your, your match write-up? So what did you write, or what did you think of Gonzalo Higuain? No, I just, you know, I did. You know, Phil Neville needed his big players to deliver, and, and you know, Higuain did just that. You know, he, he was just a presence. Every time he gets the ball, he looks like he's going to score. You know, he scored that crucial goal. He set another. He set another. Yeah, yeah, two two assists. He was just a, He was just. You know, he was all over them, wasn't he? And they just couldn't deal with him yet. You know, Cincinnati, not a great side, are they? And Toronto weren't either. Phil Neville admitted that. But I was also interested in what he said. You know, post match that. You know, even Higuain, someone that's played at the top of the game, biggest clubs in the world, Juventus, you know, Real Madrid, uh, Argentina in a World Cup final, uh, all that kind of stuff, that he still needs an arm around the shoulder sometimes. And, you know, Phil Neville said he takes it to heart a lot of the time when the team aren't playing well. And he, he said, it was interesting, you know, he said that as a DP, the pressure is on him to deliver and probably more than, it's a different kind of pressure than, you know, when he was at Juventus, he was playing with star players. And when he was at Napoli or when he was at Real Madrid, I mean, he had a whole squad of superstars of Galaticos. So it's a different kind of pressure for him. Maybe that has affected him. And I said to Phil Neville, you know, don't you think it's weird that even at this level, a start, you know, stage of his career, the career he's had, he still needs, he still needs a manager to come up to him and say, you're all right, don't worry, keep going, you're going to be okay. I mean, it's just, it's a personality thing. They're all human beings, and maybe that's gave, gave a nice little insight, which I used for my match report. Um, yeah, just sort of saying that, you know, these, uh, it's affected him. The team not doing well has affected him mentally, and that probably has affected his performances. So, you know, we could talk all day about the problems of the team, but that was one element where you just, one match, sorry, where you saw that, you know, he's he's a real class apart. At this level, he's, he's he's you know, he's the standout player on the pitch before. I mean, obviously, Pizarro was amazing. <laughs> But Gonzalo um, <laughs> Higuain was the man for me. Look, so, you know, Phil Neville, you, you made me laugh and made me lose my train of thought. But Phil Neville did say that, you know, Gonzalo Higuain 
is sensitive with regards to the team, regards to how they do, and maybe he's a little too sensitive with regards to how they do, and it it bothers him or disturbs him too much when they don't do well, which might explain you know the the level of frustration we've seen from him over the course of this season. I agree that that was interesting insight from Phil Neville during the post game press conference. He was named to the team of the week on Monday for his performance in this game. And just for clarity's sake, for anyone that's listening that might read match reports, be it by us or elsewhere, he had two direct assists in this game, but he had three assists overall because MLS, like the NHL, counts secondary assists. And Gonzalo Higuain did have the pass that led to the pass that led to Federico Higuain's oh, early that's opener. That's nonsense. They, no, we're not having that. That's banned on this on podcast. We're not having that. <laughs> It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's okay, not a thing. It I, agree. I agree with you. By MLS standards, it is a thing. By MLS standards. So MLS will say Gonzalo Higuain had one goal they, and three assists. And, you know, so if we're on the podcast and we're saying two assists, that might confuse people, which is why I want to clarify for anyone that's okay. listening that might have read or might have heard. Wait, I heard he had three assists. So, yes, he had three well, we assists. Stick to reality. We stick to reality, my fan. <laughs> we stick to reality, not fantasy. Okay. Uh, Jose, you wanted to say something there with regards to secondary assists. Are you a fan of it or, or, or no? No, I'm just saying that I'm with Steve on that one. I mean, that's... I'm with you guys both. Crazy. I'm with you guys well, so both. It's a Nick Marsman. Nick Marsman hits the ball long and then Robbie Robertson flicks it on and Higuain scores and Nick Marsman gets a, a secondary assist. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. I, hey, I agree. Yeah. We, I think for the first time in this podcast history... We all agree. All three of us agree on one item here, on one topic. Because I agree that I don't, I don't think you know secondary assists should be recorded, but in MLS they are recorded. I think actually it's what led to Rolfo Pizarro being credited with three assists in this oh, game, God. as opposed to the two direct assists that that you know that would normally be just given to him. But anyway, anyway, let's continue on because Rolfo Pizarro also had a, a solid showing. Jose. I heard you chiming in as along with me there when Steve said, you know, he didn't really notice him stand out there initially before he he went into DEFCON 5. Jose, what did you think of Rodolfo Pizarro? And clearly, I, I imagine you disagree with uh, with Steve's initial statement that he didn't think he had a great game. No, I, I think he had a good game in terms of effort. I don't, I don't think we have seen anything better than this during the regular season. Um, I, I do believe that. You know, w- with him being out of the lineup the last two games, maybe that brought up a little bit the sense of urgency for him. Um, you know, it's not a good look. Again, every time I-, I think about Pizarro, I think about the World Cup. And if you're not in the starting lineup for Inter-Miami, and listen, I understand that we're a little bit over a year from the World Cup, but... Uh, Everything matters, and and if you're not able to secure a starting spot in the starting lineup of Inter Miami, that is not looking good for you with 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 your chances of making it to the to the World Cup. So I think it's going to be really important for Pizarro to close out the season well. This was a good start against Cincinnati, uh, but tomorrow is a real test for him. I don't know if it's going to be in the starting lineup. Looks like you know he might he might deserve a, another shot after what he did over the weekend. But I think he had a very good game overall. The effort was there. Um, I did not see that connection again with with um, Gonzalo Higuain, which uh, I'm guessing I'll never <laughs> never be able <laughs> to see that. <laughs> I'm realizing that a little bit late. But, um, 
yeah, I think he had a good game. And and but you know, it's like I mentioned before, it's not about one game. When you're a DP, it's not about having one good performance. He needs at least at least this type of performance for the rest of the regular season. Whenever he gets the chance to start, of course. Does he get in, uh, Jose? Does he get in Mexico's team right now? No, no, not even close. I mean, not even close. He needs to do a lot more for him to go to the World Cup. Can you imagine Pizarro competing in the World Cup at this level? I mean, I don't think he stands a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling right now. I'm smiling right now because I remember the post-game question when it was Jose Armando's turn. And, they, and, and the, the PR spokesman said, Jose, next question. And Phil looked at you and said... It's about Rodolfo, huh? It's always about Rodolfo. <laughs> you, yeah. And you smiled and you said, no, not this time. Not this time. <laughs> it's been a while since I have, I have asked him a question about this <laughs> because he's not the uh, so, I mean, no, it's, it's, you know, I guess, I guess that's just stuck with Phil over the course of the season. When you asked about Rodolfo, I guess it's just kind of stuck with him. So, you know, he was just There's only one person that asked any questions about David Beckham ever. So, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that could be. Um, I, I think we, we, and by we, I, I mean Steve and I, we both touched on Pizarro's performance quite a bit. You know, I, I will reiterate that I thought he had a very good game. If Gonzalo Higuain was the best player, I think Rodolfo Pizarro was just a cut underneath him, maybe just a half cut underneath him. I thought he was very, very good in this game. And, you know, he, he and Higuain did not really connect in this game. And, and, and you know, like Jose said, didn't really show that chemistry which they have not shown much of this season, but statistically speaking here, to and this is not to ruffle anyone's feathers, Steve or Jose, but they did technically combine on that secondary assist on the opener because Gonzalo Higuain hit that through ball or that, that pass into space on the left flank and Pizarro raced onto it, just got to it before it, it crossed the end line and then he picked out his pass, found Federico Higuain for an early headed finish that put into Miami ahead 1-0. A sign of things to come, Obviously, we already touched about how they or t- touched on how the game played out, and there were five different goal scorers in this game: Federico Higuain, Gonzalo Higuain, Indiana Vasilev, Lewis Morgan, and Julian Carranza. So, a lot of players got onto the score sheet. A lot of players were having fun, and it was definitely a party at Drive Pink Stadium. Let's touch on the defenders because in a game like this, and I just mentioned all the goal scorers, in a game like this. Obviously, the focal point or a lot of the talk will be about the attack and how well they did and how well those players did. But one of the biggest questions going into the game, especially for me, but in general, it was a question that Phil Neville was asked quite a bit in the pregame press conference, was the center back pairing because Leandro gonzalez Pires was suspended for this one. They called up Aimee Mabika. They were able to do so. He starts along uh, Christian McCoon in that back four. They gave up a goal in the first half more so on Makun than it was Mabika, but Jose, what did you think of that center-back pairing, that center-back tandem? Steve already gave us a little bit of his thoughts, but I want I want to start with you because is this a center-back tandem that we, in theory, potentially could see in 2022 and beyond for Inter-Miami? Because I absolutely think it could be based on what we saw. Now, it's one game. There will be bigger tests ahead for both of those players. I still have questions as to how they'll hold up in a four-man backline as opposed to a five-man backline. They played, They were playing FC Cincinnati, not the best team in the entire league, but they held up and they did very well despite not having 
any training sessions together in the lead up to this game because on Thursday was a recovery day, so that means Makun didn't train, Mabika probably did, and then Friday, Inter Miami did not train. They they just did gym work. At least that's what we were told. So they didn't have really any time to work on their movements together, their understanding, their chemistry, which is important for a center back tandem. For them to for any center back tandem to really really develop that that understanding they need repetition and they need time together they didn't have that but they still held up very well in this one so what were your thoughts on the center back tandem is this a partnership that we could see next season when the sanctions uh, are imposed on inter miami and they have to make some tough decisions with some of the the tam level players well we can see it out of necessity yeah like we did um in the last game but long term uh Oh, well, I shouldn't say long-term, but next season, I don't think Mavika is ready to take on the full responsibility of starting alongside Makun. I, I, I honestly do not see it because, um, you know, competition is much higher than what Cincinnati showed. And um, and I, I just I just don't see it. I, I think the development, the work on the development, it's, it's still not done. And, and I think Phil agrees on this. Um, I do believe, you know, there's some potential there, but to pair them together to young center backs, I think it's a little bit risky. You always want to have a little bit of experience there, at least from one of the center backs. So long term, I don't see it. You know, Cincinnati and the, the reason why I predicted um, for them to win, it was not necessarily because of the defensive performance that I thought Inter Miami could put out there because I I never thought Cincinnati would be uh, that big a challenge for them defensively but I knew they would they would be able to score because Cincinnati is not a good team so um, that was my thought and um, I think we saw a little bit of that but I, I think I mentioned this as well before early on you know they had a couple of 1v1s with Mabika that, you know, he didn't look very well there. You know, the movement from side to side, the speed of the game maybe, um, he didn't look very well. So, you know, it's it's a process for him. So hopefully he gets an opportunity in the next year, but I don't see him starting, and especially not against uh, alongside Makun. Steve, what did you think of that partnership? I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but just give us a little bit more of a deeper analysis into what you saw because I will say I was – Pretty impressed, again, with what they put forth, especially Mabika. Especially Mabika, because we know he's a big guy and he has shown he can defend in these first two MLS appearances. But his range of passing, and yes, this is FC Cincinnati, so that has to be taken into into context here or into perspective. But even still, there were a couple of balls that he hit on either side of halftime that were line-splitting passes that initiated attacking sequences for Inter-Miami was pretty impressive to see someone of his size be able to, to pick out those type of passes. The first half, I, I think one was to Lewis Morgan that, that led to a play in transition that uh, Inter Miami was, was, the ball was taken away from them as they were starting to threaten. And in the second half, he finds Kelvin Leardam streaking down the right to help set up a chance there that I believe Gonzalo Higuain, if my memory is serving me correctly, Higuain sends wide. But what did you think of that center back tandem? Yeah, I like I liked him. I, I maybe a bit more pro him than, than Jose really I think uh, I think he's good on the ball I think um, he's got good movement uh, he's a big he's a big guy also which, which helps I think looking forward Gonzalez Perez is one of the most sellable assets of the team he'll probably leave in the in the, in the close season Shawcross is going to go back to England so you probably won't see him again so then it's then he's kind of down to you know 
it hasn't got many other options. And I think he does like him. I remember when we went to go, I think maybe it was the first time we could go and see training or the second time. And I saw him, I was just like, who is that? He looks, he looks, you know, he looks decent. And I, I think he, he did, he did well. And that's what they want. They want to have these homegrown players and um, the partnership will come on. I mean, you know, but it's the first time they played together. So um, obviously would, would have practiced together a fair bit, I would have thought, but even maybe not so much because he's been in the other team. But um I think it was quite promising, actually. I thought he, he looked decent. And that's that's how they want to go, isn't it? To have these young players to build around. And I thought he did. I thought he did well. Yeah, I think they showed good starting points as a as a tandem. Again, it doesn't mean they're a finished product. That doesn't mean that they'll be the the go to starters in twenty twenty two. Nothing of the like. But I also wouldn't be surprised if in twenty twenty two, given the sanctions, given the fact that Inter Miami is probably going to have to get rid of Leandro Gonzalez Pires and quite potentially Nicolas Figal. I wouldn't be surprised to see this center back pairing start some games in 2022. Obviously, maybe in an ideal scenario, you have more experience or you have a center back there that that can allow the other players, the younger players, to develop and and be groomed a little bit more and not have to be thrown into the fire uh, so quickly or so consistently. Like they might have to be in 2022, but you know it's not going to be an ideal situation for the team next year given what what they are faced with. So. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up this segment? We've t- touched on quite a bit, but there was a lot of different things to touch on. Anybody, you know, we haven't really talked about Federico Higuain, who scored and, and got an assist in this game. Anything else you guys want to quickly add? I, you know, I'll give you each a minute so we can wrap up this segment. Anything else, Jose? Um, yeah, no, I just, I just wanted to honestly, I just wanted to touch on on Fede Higuain, and you just mentioned it because you know he had again another good performance, and and of course the question is. Um, for for how long can he do it when you're playing basically, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, and then back over the weekend? Um, that's the challenge. But I think you, you have to appreciate what he brings to this team, 37 years old and still playing at a high level um, for MLS, of course. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you just have to um, you have to bring a lot of value to to what he's doing right now, because, you know, he can pretty much. Uh, with everything that he has done in his career, he, he he should be in good shape, you know, and he will forever be remembered as a as a great MLS player. But what he's doing right now for Inter Miami, you know, it's a lot of what what the team has been able to do is on him. So um, I, I do appreciate what what he's what he's doing. Um, watching it um, from the press box, you know, you, you think about the energy that he brings, and you look at around the the rest of his teammates, and he, he can help. You can help but think, well, if if some of these players, you know, bring that same energy. How, how different things could have been. So, um, kudos to to Fede Higuain and, and and happy birthday, by the way. Happy belated birthday to Federico Higuain, who turned 37 this past Monday. Yesterday, we're recording this pod on Tuesday. I also said a minute for you, Jose, and I think you went over, but it's okay. I won't punish you or I won't fine you. No Inter Miami sanctions for you. Steve, anything you want to add on this game, or have you already expressed almost everything you wanted to express? Uh, no, well, I, unfortunately, not to see Brenner uh, playing for Cincinnati, my <laughs> Brazilian brother. Nice. Um, but I, I thought Lewis Morgan looked pretty lively as well. Um, you know, playing more as a more attacking role definitely suits him. Uh, he touched on that in the press conference after Toronto, I think. But um, yeah, I thought he had a decent game too. I want to touch on and give a bit of a shout out, not a shout out, but just give him his due credit. And that's to Kelvin Leardam, who I thought had a very, very good game. Quite possibly his best game in an Inter-Miami jersey this season, or I mean ever, because this is his first season with Inter-Miami. 
the way he, especially in the second half, the way he projected forward and, and bombed forward from the right back spot and got into the attack and got involved was very, very effective and impressive. He's been a player that's been criticized quite a bit as of late for giving up goals, but that was from the unnatural center back position. It's not his natural spot, so he has had his issues there. But in this game at right back, I thought he was very, very good. He also helped set up the winner. Yes, he got a secondary assist on the game winner with a nice little cutback move on the ball before passing to Federico Higuain, who finds Gonzalo. So good performance from Kelvin Leard, and I would expect him to start again at right back on Wednesday. But let's leave it there with regards to the match against FC Cincinnati. We will transition into previewing the game against Atlanta United, a huge game, a massive game. I called the last time these two teams played in Atlanta the biggest game of the season. No, now this game is the biggest game of the season. We'll jump into that after this. You can obviously hear the atmosphere in the dressing room. It's been a long time since we've had that feeling. And uh, we live to fight another day. We've got three games left now. We've got to keep believing. We've got to go to Atlanta and win. Nothing else. Uh, and and we've got we've got the bit between our teeth and we're, we're enjoying the challenge at this moment in time. I think when, when, it, when we lost at Columbus, all of a sudden all, all expectation came off us. And, and we're playing with a total freedom. I think you can see that in our play. And I think uh, I think we go to Atlanta with total freedom. They're the favourites for the game. They probably think they can win the game easily. And uh, and we will we will go there with the same mentality. All right. So Wednesday night, Inter Miami travels back to Atlanta to play Atlanta United at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Inter Miami right now is five points shy of the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference that has brought back some belief for some fans, maybe not so for others. Obviously, we started this podcast and, and both of you were still a little bit hesitant to say that Inter Miami has a realistic chance of, of making the playoffs. I agree with that, so I agree with you guys if that is your belief. But what should we expect from this game? Atlanta United did not play over the weekend. They will be well-rested. Their last game was last Wednesday. So from midweek to midweek, they've had a weekend off. They'll be fresh. They're still fighting for a playoff spot. They'll have their home crowd behind them. It's not going to be an easy test. But, Steve, what do you think we should expect from this game on Wednesday night? Yeah, I mean, the first game was one all. The second game, three or four weeks ago, you know, a late penalty, 78 minutes. It's going to be It's going to be tight. Um, you know, it's... The other thing, obviously, is that Atlanta is still going for for the playoffs themselves, just in that, just nestled in that seventh place, forty three points, level in Montreal. Um, I don't think there's going to be much in it. I think it's going to be a nervy game. There's a lot on the line for for both teams. If anything, you could think that maybe the pressure's slightly off Miami potentially, just because they've got nothing to lose. They've got to go for it. Um, Atlanta, you know, a draw would be okay for them. A win would potentially push them right up into the. Well, they could could get fourth at some point. So. Um, I expect it to be tight. I do not expect it to be tight. I expect this to be an open game, possibly the most open game we've seen between these two sides this season and in their short history of playing one another. Because like you just mentioned, they both are still playing for something. They both are still in need of points and wins. And I expect Atlanta United, given their situation and being at home and having their fan base behind them, I fully expect them to come out swinging and looking to attack and looking for goals i expect them to come and uh search for the win from the first minute on i don't think they'll they'll drop back or they'll defend like no they're i think they'll come out from minute one looking to to attack and looking to 
create chances and score so they can win this game. And I think at Inter Miami, unless Phil Neville was bluffing and he put on his poker face during the pregame press conference, he said they have to take risks and they have to go for it. He said they're not, this is not you know one of those games where maybe they could they could tinker with the system and deploy a different type of approach because of the situation that they're in. And he said in life you've got to take risks. And he continued to use that word risk during the press conference. I fully expect Inter Miami to go for it as well. Obviously, I don't think they'll be completely reckless and just throw you know everybody forward. I think they'll try to stay organized. But I think you're going to see an Inter Miami team that continues to try to attack. I think that leaves spaces in behind for them. I think that leaves spaces in behind for Atlanta. And I think we're going to see an open game with chances and goals. Phil Neville said it's about putting the ball into the back of the net. Whoever is more efficient, if, if Inter Miami's players can be as efficient uh, or as ruthless as they were on well during these last two games, then they have a chance. Jose, what do you think? Do you think we'll see a tight game? Do you think we'll see an open game? Well, I think it depends on Atlanta, honestly. Um, you know, if they decide to take over the game, if, if, if they are not conservative, if they think of uh, um, scoring from the get-go, if they want to secure a playoff spot, you know, it depends on the energy that they bring to the table and the plan that if they're able to execute their plan, they're going they are going to win this game. And I don't think they're going to have a lot of problem doing a lot of problems doing it. But, you know, things can happen and maybe you get an early red card or a penalty kick or an own goal. Um, you know, things can happen right. in favor of Inter Miami that can actually get them over the hump. But. I honestly don't see how um, how Inter Miami can just overpower Atlanta United at this point because of you know how fresh they are because they have been a better team they have struggled as well throughout the regular season but I think as of right now they are not in that bad a shape um, and so you know I just I honestly don't see it I think it's 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 if if Atlanta United opens up the door to for Inter Miami to believe that they can actually win the game, then they will be in trouble. But if they're pretty much in control, I, I don't see it. I just honestly don't see it. How can Inter Miami go out there and win? Because remember, they have to win. That's that's the only option for Inter Miami at this point. So you're riding the fence, huh? You won't tell me if you think it's going to be open or closed. Uh, abierto cerrado. Because I'm telling you. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that question because it all depends on on Atlanta United. But you don't think like they're going to come out to try to win? You think they're going to to be conservative or be a bit more conservative? Yeah, but they can make mistakes. I mean, they can be overly aggressive and make mistakes, you know, and be just out of control, and, and that would be a mistake for them, and that would open the door to to Inter Miami. I think you know with Inter Miami changing formations, that brings another element to the table. For the for for Gonzalo Pineda and his coaching staff, because they they are probably not sure what what Phil is going to do. Is he going to be defensive, playing with five in the back, or is he going to really come for us and and try to score early on in the game? You know that that brings a, a different element. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Phil is going to do tomorrow. So you don't honestly. you don't you don't buy his his comments or his remarks at face value. You don't think that he's necessarily being 100% sincere when he's saying he's going to go for it, that you have to take risks. You think you think there's a possibility that they go, you know, I don't know, five at the back, or if they take a more conservative approach to try to, to try to pick their moments? Do you think there's a chance of that from Inter-Miami? Because I heard him said, you know, that he played with three in the back and five in the middle. 
and I never believed that was the case. You know, uh, I always thought when when Inter Miami played with three center backs, it was five in the back. Yeah, it's, it's five at the back. It's five at the it's back. It's five at the back. But he believes it's three in the back. So you know, if he comes, if things don't go the right way, and he ends up playing with three in the back, which I don't know if they're even able to do with the players that they have right now. But if that's the case, and they end up losing the game, he's gonna come and tell us in the press conference that, you know, he actually played with three in the back and not with five. So uh, that's my thought. You know, I, I honestly have to wait and see the lineup tomorrow, and, and I'll have a, 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 a much better answer for your question. Unfortunately, I don't have the life. <laughs> okay. Right okay. No, no problem. No problem, Jose. No problem at all. So Jose believes there is a chance that Phil Neville could change the formation back to a five-man backline. Steve, do you think that's a possibility or do you take Phil Neville at face value during this pregame press conference? Because, look, I will fully disclose that during the course of the season, there's been times where I've heard Phil Neville say things and, I, and I'm and i like, yeah, I don't buy that 100%. On this one, I actually think, again, it's going to be contained. It's not going to be a reckless nonstop attack, but I did believe him in the sense that I think Inter Miami is going to take risks and is going to go for it. And... I don't think that he changes the formation. I don't I, I don't even think he has the personnel to change the formation because Gonzalez Pires is back, so that gives you Gonzalez Pires and Macoon, but who would be the third center back? You're not you're not going to put I mean you could, you could put a Breck Shea, you could put a Kelvin Leard in there again, but you you know that you're playing somebody out of position and you, and you're taking a big risk there. It's a huge gamble. So if he does that and he thinks that's what's best for the team, then then that's you know that's his decision, but I don't know. I think that you know he would be he would know that if he gets that wrong that everyone's going to come after him, fans, everyone, for changing back to the five-man backline after these last two games. But, you know, Steve, what do you think? Do you think Inter-Miami will stick with the four-man defense, or do you think it'll be a five-man defense? Do you take Phil Neville at his word that Inter-Miami will take risks and go for it in this game? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to change anything. I think he's going to keep it the same as because they've had two good results, and also they've got nothing to lose. They've got to go for it. They have to win. And he's, yeah, okay, the opposition in the last two games wasn't great, but it's not as if they, they were playing against 11 plastic dolls or something i mean they still have to, <laughs> to score, the, score the goals so and they did and uh, i don't think he's going to change it there's no point he, they've got to go for it there's no point getting a draw is it it's not going to do them any good got to go and win and you know even what and like, talk about beckham all the whole time but it was interesting that he said that you know beckham's frustrated and expects him to be doing better and i think if he doesn't go there and like stamp this sort of miami way or you know on the team and and that's the ethos of the club and they, they've got to go there and have a have a go you know um and, and I expect I expect him to do do just that. Why would you Why would you change it? And like, and as you said, he has. It's not as if he's got the personnel to 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 make wholesale changes. Yeah, Gonzalez Perez will probably come in, but other than that, no. I think he's gonna he's gonna keep it keep it the same. He has to. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with that. Oh, Jose, go ahead, go ahead, Jose. No, honestly, I hope he does. I hope he stays with Ford in the back. But what I'm saying is that, you know, maybe there's an analysis right there of what is better for the team in terms of staying in the game. You know, that that could be the one thing that, to me, that could bring Phil to changing the formation. But I do agree with you guys. And I honestly hope that he plays with Ford in the back and, and, and keeps the formation just because you want to go out swinging, right? Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's the element to this game. Uh, like, we could very easily think that, you know, he can play with Ford in the back, but there are arguments as well to make you believe that he can actually change it and, and go back to five. I, that, that's my 
I will say this. I will say this. Before the press conferences, I thought there was a possibility that they could go back to five at the back. Just because they're away from home, Atlanta it has some very good attacking pieces. And that's what my question to Phil Neville in the pregame press conference was about balancing things out defensively against an Atlanta team that poses much different types of problems. But his response to me, and again, I will take this response at face value. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out on Wednesday night. But I believe based on what he said, that they will stick with that four-man defense. I just me reading between the lines. I think he'll stick with the four-man defense, and I think they are going to try to, to be a little bit more attacking and go for it. So, Steve, back to you. What is the key to the game for Inter-Miami? Is it about scoring goals? Is it about limiting Atlanta from scoring goals? Is it winning the, the battle in the midfield? Is it dominating the wings? What is the key to the game for Inter-Miami in this massive, massive, massive matchup at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? I think yeah, defensively they've got to they've got to be on point. Uh, they've got to keep it keep it tight. Atlanta a, a good team going forward at times. He talks about the pitch as well. Them used to playing on the pitch, the sort of astroturfy plastic pitch that they've got, uh, which is not ideal. Though he did say it zips off the surface, so it's it's good for passing. But they've got to keep it tight in the back, and they keep it tight. And then they've got the players in attack. They're actually in form right now over the last couple of games that can cause teams problems without a doubt. But um, yeah, if they start shipping in goals and they're on the back foot, you know, early on or or you know late on during the game, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be difficult. So um, it's a big night for the defense, and then you've got to trust again that the, the big players, your Bizarros, your Goins, etc., uh, come to the party one more time. Jose, what is your key to this game? The key to the game, and remember, we're thinking about not playing well, not not. We're thinking about the key to the game, uh, thinking about getting three points, winning the game. I do believe they have to score early, which means they if they get one or two chances early on in the game, they have to capitalize on at least one of those. That's the key to the game to me. They they have to bring uh, a new element to the game. You know, everybody expects Atlanta to be dominant at home, to get the three points, playoff race, a lot on the line. Usually the home side, they do have an advantage. But if you're able to score early, then, you know, you, you you continue to build on the confidence that you have from the last two games and you start to bring a little bit of doubt to the other side. Yeah. So to me, it's very important for them to score early. I I agree with you. I agree with you. That That is my key to the game. If Inter-Miami scores early, and you, you've already touched on this perfectly, so I don't really have much else to add, but if Inter-Miami can score early... That is a huge game changer for the course of the 90 minutes because now Atlanta United, given their situation, in terms of the playoff race, given that they're at home, that brings a whole load of uncertainty and a whole different type of stress from an emotional and psychological standpoint onto Atlanta United that could affect them, that might leave them to not be at their sharpest, to miss hit passes, and that could play into into Inter Miami's hands. So I think scoring an early goal, and maybe I'm cheating here. This is you know one A is scoring an early goal. One B is because this is who I think will have to score it. Your designated players, your two designated players, Rodolfo Pizarro and Gonzalo Higuain. They will. One of those two players will have to score that early goal. One of those two players will have to deliver for Inter Miami. Maybe not. Maybe they'll assist, but they have to make the difference. And that's something Phil Neville said. The DPs have to step up and have to deliver. Just like we saw them do very capably in this last game against FC Cincinnati, the DPs have to deliver in this game, preferably early on, because I think that can 
tilt the balance in Inter Miami's favor in a massive, massive way. Any other lineup changes that you think Phil Neville will make? Blaise Matuidi's out for this game. That's why I didn't mention him as a designated player who can make a difference. He's out due to yellow card accumulation. Leandro Gonzalez-Pires is back. Do you think we see any changes other than maybe Jay Chapman for Blaise Matuidi? Steve? Well, uh, uh, okay, go ahead. No, no. Uh, yeah, I think those two changes will be made. Just in, in one enforced with Jay Chapman and the other one, I think you just need um, the experience of Gonzalez-Pires going back to his former club. Um, yeah, so he, he he knows how to play there, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so I just think those those two changes, really. That's it. Shea, yeah, or, Shea would... or Gadiri? Do you think Shea, Gadiri, um, maybe maybe Kieran, maybe Kieran Gibbs? Because Kieran Gibbs, I saw a picture of him in training today, so I don't know if he's on the mend or if he's, he's there, but he's he's a possibility. Especially if he's playing with Ford in the back, I, w- I would say you try to get Shea out of the game. Like I think what we saw from from the from the last game wasn't very good. You know, the the goal for Cincinnati comes from that side. You know, he has been struggling defending as well. That's my my point of view, of course. So if you can get him out and bring somebody else, but if if you have no other choice, then I mean, it is what it is. So you think Shea starts or doesn't? I I do believe he will start, but if there's a chance Gibbs can play, if he's ready to play at least sixty minutes, I would start Gibbs. And maybe, you know, play the, the final 30 minutes with Shea. Maybe that would be my case. But again, it, it comes down to um, what, what the situation is in terms of how how, mu- how many minutes can you get out of Gibbs or anybody else of that position. And you wouldn't start Gadiri? Gadiri, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can start. I can see him starting over Shea. But that's that's only me, right, making the decision. I do believe Phil will trust Brick Shea. But I, I will put anybody else but Shea on the left back, especially playing with Ford in the back. Oof, now we know who Jose dislikes as much as Steve dislikes Rolfo Pizarro. Okay. <laughs> last last question in terms of the lineup. Does Federico Higuain start again? Yes or no? Uh, Steve, you first. Yeah, if, if he's fit, he has to start, 100%. Jose? Yeah, I say he starts. Even if he's only ready for 60 minutes, you want him on in the first half, no doubt. Yeah, I think... If they can get him to start, that's 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 the question, right? That's that's why I, I kind of threw the question out there. Obviously, I think we all think he should start, but if he's capable of starting, given his age, given that he's played two games on, on, on short notice as of late, this will be the third one with a short turnaround. It's challenging for him from a physical standpoint, but I, I think that he does start. Maybe he can only give you that first half, but you get him in there and try to, to make the most of those 45 minutes that he's on the field. So I think he starts, and I think Pizarro will be on that left wing again. I think Robbie Robinson, who is on the mend, will probably be a bench option, if, if an option at all. Prediction time, guys. Steve, I will start with you again. Does Inter-Miami get the job done, or will we be talking about a disappointing result that pretty much dooms them to, to a non-playoff spot this year? I'm going to be eternal optimist and think they're going to eke out a 1-0 win. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's a much different tone than at the beginning of the podcast. I'm trying to tempt fate so our season (laughs) continues. I think think all the talk about the goals and the defense, that that kind of has lit lit that fire in Steve's belly, and he believes that Inter Miami now will will be able. He's believing. He's believing. Jose, what do you think for, for Wednesday night's match? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, I, I wish I could be as positive as, as Steve has been right now. But 
I don't see it. I think this is the end of the road. I think it's 3-1. They drop it, and um, we start thinking about next year. Yep, I don't see it. Okay, I am going to say, and Jose, you're, gonna get, you're going to get a laugh out of this one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw, Inter-Miami and Atlanta United. They will both score goals, and Inter-Miami will get a respectable result on the road, but it won't be the needed result. I think I don't think that they will win, but I think with their attacking posture, I think that'll lead to chances, I think that'll lead to goals, and I think it'll lead to an eventful, and from a neutral's perspective, maybe entertaining game, but I don't think it'll be the, the result that Inter-Miami wants. But we'll see how Inter-Miami goes about things we'll see if they can continue to pull a rabbit out of a hat and and stay in the fight for at least another few days big big matchup for phil neville and the herons but let's leave it there we'll take another quick break and we'll come back for the q a session and wrap up the pod after this Okay, guys, it's Q&A time, and unfortunately, Jose Armando and Steve Brenner have both had to leave us, but they will be back on the pod in a matter of a few days, so do not worry. I will tackle the Q&A session myself. I will go into it with a Gregory-like slide tackle. Here's the first question. It comes from Sal Paradise. Hey, Franco, do you save all of the player ratings you have given all year? It would be cool to see them all totaled up and see them ranked at the end of the season. So... I don't save them all, but they are saved on the World Wide Web. They are on the internet, so I have thought, and I did think last year about totaling up all the player ratings that I do from a numerical standpoint, 1 through 10, traditional soccer style. I thought about doing that last year and averaging it out and seeing what each player got, which is obviously a lot of work, but ultimately with some editorial advice, uh, I ended up going with just player grades to recap how players did last year but maybe this year i will go ahead and and do that i will do it from a more numerical standpoint as opposed to a letter standpoint next question comes from gay p do you think next year's squad will have a more balanced roster do you see harvey neville starting next year as a right back i think he has done so well as a center midfielder that i never got used to seeing him as a right back once they decided he will play there next season i think they didn't plan it well so I believe Gabe P is referring to how Harvey Neville was managed with Fort Lauderdale CF this season. But from my understanding, from my conversations with people in and around the organization, is that this was the plan for Harvey Neville all along, that they wanted him to play in the center of the park so that he could you know, further develop and, and maybe round out his game. And he does project more as a right back at the next level, at the MLS level. Will he be the starting right back? I don't know if he'll be the every game go-to starting right back. And again, this is this part is not information. This is just my sensation, my supposition. I think he, he'll he be a spot starter. He'll get some looks there uh, over the course of the 2022 season. I just don't think he'll be the, the every game starter. But I do expect him to get minutes with Inter-Miami in 2022. Next question comes from CJ. We all agree... The 4-2-3-1 has worked the last few weeks and should probably be the formation through the rest of the year. However, when Nico Figal comes back, who is the third starting center back that you would drop? Personally, I'd keep Makun and Figal. 
So this is a really good question, and I would say it just depends on how we're phrasing this or how we're looking at it. If you're asking me, you know, if, let's say tomorrow or this weekend, Inter-Miami had a must-win game, who would I go with as my starting center-back tandem if I'm just going with a four-man defense, so just two center-backs? I personally would go with Nicolas Figal and Leandro gonzalez Pires. That's just what I would do. I would drop McCoon if I was just going with two center backs right now. Now, if you're talking about longer term, if you're talking about you know who out of those three is probably the most likely to leave this offseason or who I would drop out of those three, I would probably drop Leandro González-Pires. Not because I don't rate him, clearly, from, my, from what I just said a few seconds ago, but because he's on higher money and he's the oldest of the three. So if you're talking longer term, I would stick with Figal and Macoon. If you're talking right now in a must-win game, I would go with Figal and Gonzalez Pires. I hope that answers the question. Next question comes from Elder Barr. Marsman looks like he lacks some handling skills. It scares me a lot. Any word on any MLSers joining next season or is it just Phil Sun, Romeo and others in Fort Lauderdale? CF hashtag fill out. So still not sold on Phil Neville. Elder Bar is not. As for the question, or as for the questions, look, I haven't heard anything yet specifically with, with as to which MLS players they're looking at. I, again, will reiterate, I think Harvey Neville, Phil Neville's son, is in contention for a, a roster spot next year. I don't believe Romeo Beckham is from my conversations. I don't think he's ready to make that jump just yet. So... Harvey Neville, I would say yes. Romeo Beckham, I would say no. And as for Marsman and his shot stopping and his handling, I agree that at times it has left something to be desired and has raised questions as to how good he is at that. But I don't think we'll get those questions answered until next year. Obviously, he's fantastic technically with the ball at his feet and his passing and his distribution. But there are still questions. I agree. There are still questions as to how good of a shot stopper he is. He is, because in certain times, he has not given you that much security or that much confidence with his shot blocking at the back. So next season, you imagine Inter-Miami will be a little bit more balanced as a squad. We'll, we'll have a better idea over the course of a 34-game season how good of a shot stopper Nick Marsman actually is. Next question comes from Don Cafecito. Last three matches are tough with Atlanta, New York City, and New England. Will Pipita be over or under 15 goals when the season ends? So Gonzalo Higuain right now has 11 goals. 11 goals on the year. There's three games left. You're talking about four goals in three games. I'm not a betting man, but if I were, or if I was, excuse me, I would take the under. I don't think he's going to score four goals in three games. I mean, he has the talent to do so. He has the quality to do it. But I don't know if on this team and with the opposition, I don't know if he will if he will get there. Next question comes from Beef Mode. Pizarro to Chivas, real or not? Also, what are the chances of Gonzalo Higuain retiring? So with regards to both of those topics, we've touched on them in recent pods. Now, with Gonzalo Higuain retiring, that's something that co-host of this podcast, Steve Brenner, reported for The Sun and it's something that's, according to his reporting, being contemplated. But it's not set in stone that he's going to retire. And I have questions as to whether he's contemplating it or not. You know, take that aside. I don't know if he's going to walk away from $5 million that plus that are on the table for him next season. I think that that's a big incentive 
I mean, that's just me from the outside, though. You know, I don't know what his motivations are. We haven't had a chance to speak to him since that report came out. I thought he would be the player to speak after this most recent game because he was, uh, again, probably the best player on the field. But he wasn't selected to come out and speak to us in the press conference. Maybe that was intentional, but... You know, whether he's contemplating it or not, I would personally lean towards him coming back next year. But again, I don't know his his personal motivations going into this winter and, and into 2022. As for Pizarro to Chivas, real or not, I would say that Rodolfo Pizarro, because he most likely wants to play on the World Cup team for Mexico next year and wants to give himself the best chance to do so and wants to get more minutes and consistent playing time, I think his best bet would be to move to a Liga MX side, whether it's Chivas or somebody else. I think that is his best chance. So don't be surprised if he helps maneuver or orchestrate or the team does sell him to a Liga MX side this winter because I think that's the best chance he'll have to to find some stability on and off the field that will allow him to, to have the best opportunity to be the player that he can be and that will allow him then to have as good of an opportunity or excuse me as good of a chance to make the world cup team so i don't know if it'll be chivas but i fully expect rolfo pizarro to move on and to move on back to a team in mexico last question comes from twitter since you like giving out nicknames do you have any for the players that may not already have one also it looks like vasilev is on loan until the end of the season is it likely that he will return to his parent club or would inter miami look into acquiring him permanently so a couple things there i don't think we have any nicknames for any of the players that you know that don't have nicknames for example christian mccoon is known as el dinosaurio and we call him that because that's what the team calls him that so I don't think we have any nicknames. I don't think Steve or Jose... Actually, at one point earlier this season, I wanted to give the nickname of the Argentine wall to the center-back tandem of Nicolas Figal and Leandro gonzalez Pires. They had played in one game together. I can't remember which match it was, but they played together as a center-back tandem, just the, the partnership, just two, and I thought they did very well. And I've been of the belief, even since 2020, that those two... On a, on a better team could form probably the best center back. Oh, no, not, not the best. One of the best center back tandems in Major League Soccer. But unfortunately for Inter Miami or, you know, unfortunately for my nickname's sake, they haven't been able to to show that or, or get that much time together just as a pairing and as a partnership. So the Argentine wall, the nickname that I, that I, that I had come up with at one point uh, obviously never blossomed into anything because they just haven't played together as a partnership all that much. They've more often than not been part of this back three this season. As for Vasilev, is it likely that he returns to his parent club, Aston Villa? I would say yes, because unless Aston Villa is going to let him go on, on a free, I don't know if Inter Miami can afford, given the sanctions that it's facing, to have to pay a transfer fee for him. And he has scored a handful of goals. I think he's at three or four goals this season. And those are obviously notable contributions. But from the run of play, he doesn't provide all that much consistently. He provides energy and he always, from what I see, puts in a lot of effort. But from a soccer standpoint, doesn't always get involved. That could be just attributed to his youth and, and still figuring his way out which is understandable but you know if you're going to pay a transfer fee you have to you have to be pretty sure that this player is going to hit and I just don't know if we've seen enough from him this season to to say 
that he's a sure bet, that he's a sure thing. So maybe Inter Miami could bring him back on another loan, but that will be uh, determined this offseason. We'll see how Chris Henderson manages that situation. But that does it for the Q&A session. I will give you my final thought, and it's on a player, one of the few players we actually did not talk about at all during this podcast, and that is Ventura Alvarado, who made his Inter-Miami debut at long last after recovering from an injury in this game against FC Cincinnati. He came off the bench to replace Kelvin Leardem at right back, and Alvarado, if we're being honest, should have been called for a handball in the penalty area late on. That obviously wouldn't have changed much of the course of the game because it was 4-1 to one at that point. So if the penalty kick is given and it's scored, it's 4-2 to two late on. I don't think it would have changed all that much. But Ventura Alvarado did make his debut, did have an apparent handball that I was surprised didn't get called initially and that didn't even go to VAR. But other than that, he had a pretty sound performance. I think he even did an ocho on one player, which is when you know you, you, you push the ball to... One side, when you have the ball, you push the ball to one side of the player and you go around him, around his other side to, to race onto the ball. So I don't know if that's a that's a good way to explain it, but uh, that's the best that I can do right now. So Ventura Alvarado made his debut. He could be a player that sticks around for 2022. And, you know, we were touching on Phil Neville not having the personnel available for that, that five-man back line with the three center backs. I think with him, you could potentially play with that five-man back line because he has playing, played a lot of minutes in his career at center back. But that does it for my final thought. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Please don't forget to give us a follow on all our social media channels, including the YouTube page where earlier today I released a snippet of an interview, an exclusive interview I did with Gregory talking about the Brazilian duo that are reported transfer targets. He's familiar with them. He provided some insight into what they would bring to the team if they were signed. So check that out and subscribe to the channel if you aren't already. There's a lot of content there, a lot of visual content that covers Inter-Miami and touches on all things Inter-Miami. Also, please, again, por favor, follow us on all our social media channels and give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. We'll be back very soon to analyze and review this game upcoming game this massive upcoming game against atlanta united and we'll also preview the weekend's match on halloween eve against new york city fc so stay tuned for that for jose armando and for steve brenner i am franco penizo this is miami total football radio and we'll talk to you guys again in just a few